Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember in the words of Major Garland Briggs, a real mystery can't be solved. Not completely. It's always just out of reach, like a light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it, not really. That's what gives it value. It can't be cracked. It's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and today I am going to finally get into the first episode, the pilot, starting with the opening titles. I will admit I am not an expert in music. I like the music from Twin Peaks, but I won't have a lot to say about the music other than just general feelings. I think we all can agree. Badlamenti does some very sort of haunting music, interesting transition music, that I think occasionally gets misused and mistranslated in season two, especially when they start playing like Laura's theme with so many different instruments and in circumstances that maybe in particular Laura's theme doesn't fit because hers is a very specific sort of emotional note used really well at the beginning of season three, like when Bobby sees her picture. Used really well a lot of times during the show, but we're getting ahead of ourselves getting to Laura's theme because this is the main title theme, which is. Falling by Julie Cruz, Angela Bedlamenti. This version, of course, has no lyrics. We'll get to the lyric version when we get to the end of the episode and we see Julie Cruz singing it. The music starts on a black screen and we fade in on the first image. Identified for years as a Buick's Wren, but it has been confirmed by, I think it was members of Audubon, I think that's why I bookmarked them, that confirmed this is, in fact, a varied thrush. I mentioned this on TikTok, Twin Peaks Radio. Follow it. It's got random questions, random thoughts, when they come to me, that don't quite fit the format of this show. The haunting songs of the varied thrush echo through the dense, humid forests of the Pacific Northwest, Audubon.org says. Long minor key whistles repeated after deliberate pauses. They seem like sounds without a source. Only a careful searcher will find the bird itself. Here's what they sound like. Audubon continues, although it looks superficially like a robin, the varied thrush is far more elusive, usually feeding on the ground among dense thickets. Typical of the far west, it sometimes surprises birders by straying all the way to the Atlantic coast in winter. It, of course, is native to thick, wet forests, conifers, in winter, woods, ravines, thickets. So, it is the western side of North America, including the Pacific Northwest, where the show is set. So we also have the branch it's sitting on, the pine. So this, just this first, how long is it on screen? Fade in at second two of this. We're already fading away to the smokestacks after two seconds. What we get with this first image, before we even get to the juxtaposition with the next one, is a couple things. We have a bird. A bird signifies nature. A bird in a tree signifies definitely a rural environment. We're going to get to talk about how big the town of Twin Peaks is once we see that sign with the population number. 
which is wrong, and amusingly so. But even before we're there, we can feel this is away from cities. This is not a crime show from the 80s. This is not a show about rich people. Was it the credits for Dynasty that began with the city and mansions and included visuals like that? This doesn't have that. Also, notably, I don't think we see any houses in these credits, but we'll get to that as we go. So it's both giving us a sense of a rural, natural habitat, place away from the city, away from modern life, and then immediately pulling away from that a little with the smokestacks. But even then, it's not a factory that you, most people will see. If you don't live near the industrial area of the big city, you don't see factories like this except out away from things. But we're not onto that yet. We're still on the bird. Because what does a bird do for us? Worldbirds.com says that ancient Celts believed in the power of animal worship mainly because they regarded them as the souls of the departed. Based on the type of animal, Celtics drew parallels with the transformation and life of the departed. Birds were considered the reincarnations of the most pious and highly respected individuals. A bird symbol stands for transcendence and freedom in Celtic. Apart from the souls and reincarnations, Celtics also believe birds represent liberation for humans because of their ability to take flight high up in the heavens. This naturally led them to believing that the birds act as a moderator between the divine and mortals. And of course we will hear, notably later, the owls are not what they seem, so also we might assume the varied thrush is not what it seems. We can assume the show to follow is going to deal with either a plot that directly interacts with nature or a plot that directly interacts with these ideas like this divine, these birds as souls. It's interesting that looking at the bird in the first place, we might not assume anything supernatural, but looking back after, what, a couple episodes, we know there's more going on. We know that there's something supernatural, something strange, and then we can see these opening credits, and that bird is both pleasant and nice, but also, to most of us, probably unfamiliar. Maybe not most of us, I don't know. I haven't checked population numbers, who lives where. I grew up in the city. When it comes down to symbolism in stories, we will get a bird like this as something very... I, I, I see it almost as innocent. Like, this is the bird. This is This bird is Twin Peaks, the town, as it thinks it is, as people think Laura is. And it immediately pulls away to this factory because it's showing us it isn't quite what it seems. But I don't want to get to the factory before I get to a certain response to the very thrush. Not mine, but I'd like to comment on it. I would point out also this varied thrush is apparently a female. We could assume a direct link between this varied thrush and Laura. Or maybe it's Judy. She's watching. That's why she turns right into those smokestacks. They line up if you want. I have it paused right now, right on that transition fade. So the smokestacks are in the bird. Which is a great visual. But I want to deal with the juxtaposition next time. What I want to deal with now is a, an article from Medium.com by Michael McQuirk. This is January 10th, 2019. A varied thrush in the coal mine, it is called. He starts with some usual kind of Twin Peaks fan stuff. When Twin Peaks originally aired in 1990, the landscape of television changed forever and all that. Blah, blah, blah. 
it, it comes to this thing. The 2017 return of Twin Peaks is a unique cultural stratification of American culture and world events. I have found the absence of one key symbol in this analysis that struck me as the defining moment of humanity's tenacity in the 21st century. The disappearance of the varied thrush is the symbol of a decaying planet. And he says, on the surface, it's easy to see why Lynch may have chosen to remove the bird from the opening titles. The bird is not connected in any way to the series other than providing a sense of location, a live festooning of the outdoorsy texture in a northwest community. But this disappearance speaks volumes and reveals the forces of modernity compromising the series itself. Eh. Dot dot dot. The original pilot titles were 2 minutes 30 seconds in length compared to the return sequence of 1 minute 30 seconds. The melodic soundtrack and images are cut down, trimmed or removed entirely. A poetic deforestation of what was once the habitat to a songbird known for its long minor key whistles. Or blah blah blah. He's basically citing that thing from Audubon. It's an almost electric noise that transcends what we expect from avian wildlife. Here's what it sounds like again. I guess I would counter, not that the bird sounds electrical, but that maybe electrical noises are natural. Electricity does exist in nature, with lightning and nervous system signals. McQuirk goes on to explain a connection between our advanced technology and needing cell phone towers and numerous antenna towers for mobile communication, that this endangers birds like the very thrush. Not citing a specific connection between them and the very thrush, but that's fine. This is from natureinnovato.com. A Chime in the Shadows. The very thrush. Posted January 29th, 2020. Hey, my birthday. By someone named Jack. It is a song, unlike that of any other bird, consisting of isolated resonant chords. Yes, chords. Birds can sound multiple frequencies at once. In the abstract, this lack of melody and continuous fluidity might seem to hardly count as song, might seem to relegate the performers to the unfortunate tier of birds who are condemned to communicate with inarticulate chirps and squeals, hardly better than grunting mammals and croaking amphibians. But the song of the varied thrush is not like that. He gets into more detail about the chords and notes, stuff I don't understand. Coming around to... dot dot dot. The varied thrushes don't play equal-tempered chords on a piano, don't stick to our approved list of notes. They play three strings on an unfretted violin, a two-bow trick, display their fingers in an arbitrary disposition, and subtly correct their placement like an exactingly tone-deaf teacher ensuring that every note is out of tune. Most human singers would find this difficult, would naturally gravitate towards a more settled and consonant interval, but varied thrushes are not human. They hold the chord in perfect stability in the furnace of sound, until it forges a new and alien harmony. There are dissonances beyond our ability to categorize, dissonances that in their strangeness leave behind that narrow human word. Alone, a singing thrush can easily be psychologically dismissed as an oddity, an unusual and out-of-tune bird. But put yourself in a place and time where you hear not just one bird, but a chorus, 
and your instinctive understanding of human harmony will be more seriously disturbed and rekiltered, with all your ways of thinking temporarily compelled to new perspectives, broken out of the rut of normalcy. What is the cue for such a symphony? Water. Water that dampens the everyday voices, that quiets the hall to the rising waves of tolling strangeness. And then he quotes Dawson from The Birds of California in 1923. The very thrush loves rain as a fish loves water. While as for the eternal drizzle, it is his native element and vital air. Sunshine he bears in a stoical silence or else escapes to the depths of the forest glade. But let the sun once veil his splendors, let the clouds shed the gentle tears of self-pity, let the benison of the raindrops filter through the forest, and let the leafage begin to utter that myriad soft sigh which is dearer than silence. And our poet thrush wakes up. He mounts the chancel of some fir tree and utters at intervals a single long-drawn note of brooding melancholy and exalted beauty, a voice stranger than the sound of any instrument, a waif echo standing on the shores of time. A waif echo standing on the shores of time. That's nice. Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio and on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Twin Peaks Radio. Or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all our shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Remember, the owls may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness.